significant other. The sun is shining, warming your skin and placing you in a state of joy. Birds flit along from tree to tree, hunting for food and interacting with each other. The leaves of the trees rustle slightly in response to the nice cooling breeze pushing around and through them. Has there ever been a better day than this, you think to yourself? Suddenly, A man in a suit steps out from the bushes nearby and sucker punches you, knocking you to the ground. Your vision blurs as the pain wells into your face. You hold it with your hand, attempting to regain your faculties. You hear a slap as your significant other cries in pain. You open your eyes as you can see the blurry outline of the suited man as he grabs the slapped person and suddenly disappears into thin air. You shake your head, returning your vision. You look around to confirm what you just saw. A suited man just kidnapped your loved one and somehow transported away. Now, this is not a scene from history or a movie. No, this is reminiscent of a video game that was created by Ed McMillan and Tommy Rafenes and released in 2010. Super Meat Boy. Super Meat Boy was created as a successor to the Flash game Meat Boy, a game released in 2008, created by McMillan and programmed by Jonathan McEnty. After the game had acquired more than 8 million views, both Nintendo and WiiWare approached McMillan about creating a game for WiiWare an Xbox Live Arcade, having been impressed with his Flash games, Meat Boy and Either. During the time that the two companies requested Macmillan to make a new game, he was working on another Flash game, titled Grey Matter with Tommy Rafenis. He initially pitched sequels to either Gish or Either, but then decided to form Team Meat with Rafenis to work on the sequel to Meat Boy. Team Meat, at the time of development and release of Super Meat Boy, comprised of Macmillan, Rufenis, soundtrack composer Danny Baranowski, and sound effects designer Jordan Fair. When asked, the developers stated that the game was meant to be a nod to many of the difficult games of the NES era, such as Mega Man, Ghosts and Goblins, and the Japanese version of Super Mario Bros. 2, while containing the plot as a mashup of many video game stories from the early 90s. Macmillan considered it as a sort of tribute to the developer of Super Mario Bros., Shigeru Miyamoto. Super Meat Boy is a platforming game where the player controls a protagonist, Meat Boy, as he attempts to rescue his girlfriend 
bandage girl from the nefarious scientist Dr. Fetus. And yes, you heard that name right. If you have never seen this game, Meat Boy is literally a red wad of meat. Bandage Girl looks similar to Meat Boy, but is pink and covered in bandages. Dr. Fetus is a fetus in a jar and dressed in a suit, with the jar and fetus acting as the head. The player must reach the end of each level by avoiding various objects, non-lethal and lethal alike, such as crumbling blocks, spinning saws, lasers, monsters, and so on. The player is able to run and jump on platforms, slide along and jump off of walls, and control the trajectory of their landing by controlling the speed of Meat Boy. With how tight the controls are, the player must employ fine handling and split-second timing in order to navigate the levels. The difficulty is often compared to traditional platformers from the NES and SNES era. When I first played Super Meat Boy in 2010, I found myself consistently wondering how did the creators come up with these ideas? They are eclectic, extravagant, yet effective. Macmillan was a child growing up that imagined grandiose worlds for video games, filled with epic bosses, blood, and violence, and a hero that could transcend death. As he grew up, his creativity and ideas never waned. He continued to be influenced by them. After the success of Meat Boy, having met Rafenas in 2008, and being offered by Nintendo and Microsoft to make a full game, Super Meat Boy was born. They have detailed in multiple interviews that they didn't try to plan every minute detail out, often relying on random inspiration and improvisation for level development. They also took real-life experiences and infused the game with them, giving the game its dark yet hopeful feel. Through working on the game, Macmillan and Rafenis became great friends, and that relationship shone through when playing Super Meat Boy. The end product felt like not only a labor of love, but also a kinship amongst all involved on the project. The development of Super Meat Boy began in January of 2009. Macmillan brought his creativity as he worked on level design and artwork, while Rafenis inserted his technical expertise as he coded the game. Testing of the game happened on opposite sides of the U.S., where Macmillan and Rafenas lived. They met only a few times in person while working on the game. Fluidity was a major proponent of their working and testing as they went through multiple iterations of the game in order to achieve their goal. Rafenas redesigned and created a new engine for the game rather than opting to use one already made. The game was originally consisting of about 100 levels and included cooperative and competitive multiplayer modes. During the development process, the multiplayer option was scrapped, and the number of levels was upped drastically. The design of the game was consciously retro, paying homage visually to traditional platform games, while also including a modern sensibility regarding difficulty. Rather than dealing with the frustrating nature of platforming games past, Macmillan and Rafenas opted to create a challenging yet rewarding environment. To accomplish this, 
infinite lives, quick restarts of levels, obvious goals, and short levels were integrated into the game. They felt the replay feature transformed death reward of sorts. In interviews, the four who worked on the game admitted some appreciation for being indie developers and being able to work on their creation, free of the constraints of producers demanding they meet deadlines or changing the original product. Ed McMillan had complete freedom to create what he wanted in Super Meat Boy. Rafenez admitted to being a bit of a control freak in terms of coding, leading him to create his own engine. This allowed him to be able to recognize errors and where they stemmed from with relative ease. Despite all of the success and enjoyment that came from the creative freedom, the looming uncertainty was also a predominant factor during the development process. Because the game was completely funded out of pocket by Macmillan and Rafenis, none of the four were paid from their work until the game was officially released. Baranowski and Fair were both working on other projects as well as Super Meat Boy, so they had supplemented some of their income. Despite working, none of them lived under ideal conditions, sacrificing personal comfort for passion. Rafenis had confessed that during those last few months, he would forget to eat, which was a danger to his health, with him being diabetic. Macmillan told his wife on numerous occasions that he wanted to discard all of the progress made on the game and quit. On top of having minimal funds, the team had no marketing budget whatsoever, relying on word of mouth, the viral nature of the internet, and comics related to Super Meat Boy to get the word out. Lastly, as many artists and people in the indie gaming industry have professed, the threat of doubt of what you are creating is not interesting is always a problem. The game was set to be released in the first quarter of 2010 for WiiWare and PC. The developers pushed the game back to the fourth quarter, wanting more time to create extra levels, such as the Dark Worlds. A reveal on Team Meet's Twitter page on February 22, 2010 confirmed that the game would be released for the Xbox Live Arcade. On February 23, 2010, Team Meet announced that the Xbox Live Arcade would receive the game first due to contractual obligations. However, it would be available for all platforms the same month. In August of 2010, the developers were approached by Microsoft with the idea of including Super Meat Boy for Microsoft's 2010 Fall Game Feast XBLA promotion, which took place two months later. Due to being almost completely out of money, they did not believe that they could financially support themselves until the spring event. At the time, they felt they had roughly four months' worth of work left to complete the game before it was ready to be released. During the last two months of development, they worked on the game daily, only slept five hours a night, and they regularly forgot to eat. Macmillan has said he would never voluntarily go through a process that rigorous again. According to Macmillan, due to Microsoft's low expectations for the game, Super Meat Boy was lightly promoted. Despite the level of promotion not being increased through the Game Feast event, the game greatly outsold the rest of the games during the event. The team described the energy required to complete the game for the promotion as, quote, 
by far the biggest mistake they made during SMB's development. The game was released on XBLA in October 2010, and on PC via Steam and Direct to Drive a month later. On the morning of the release date that they worked so hard towards, not only was Super Meat Boy not displayed on the Xbox Live front page, it was nowhere to be found in the marketplace at all. After phone calls with Microsoft and many hours of frustration and confusion, the game went up. Super Meat Boy went on to sell 22,000 copies in its first day. Gamers became enamored with Macmillan's lovable characters and beautiful level design, which were brought to life by Rafenis programming skills. With the initial release debacle behind the game, Super Meat Boy became the most popular game on Xbox Live Arcade. Its success resulted in many major media outlets focusing on Team Meat, insisting that they interview the minds behind the creative and artistic game. Macmillan noted that the PC release was more heavily promoted than the XBLA version. A limited edition retail version of the PC game was released in April 2011. It included bonuses such as behind-the-scenes videos, a sample disc of the game's music, and a Super Meat Boy comic. A version for Mac OS X was released in November 2011, while another version for Linux operating systems was released in December 2011 as part of the Humble Indie Bundle No. 4 game pack. With Sony not interested in the game at first, Team Meat entered into contractual obligations that prevented Super Meat Boy from being released on the PS3. A version for the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita was eventually announced. The WiiWare version ended up being cancelled because the game's file size ended up too large for the size limit Nintendo forced upon the developers. Team Meat considered releasing it as a retail Wii game, but decided against the idea after being advised by all third-party publishers approached that a budget title would not be profitable so late into the Wii's life cycle. However, after hinting by Team Meat in October of 2015, Super Meat Boy was confirmed for the Wii U eShop. The Wii U port was handled by Blitworks, a separate indie developer, and released in 2016. Team Meat announced a Nintendo Switch port in August of 2017 and was released January 11, 2018. The first day sales were reported to be very close to the number of sales when Super Meat Boy was first released in 2010. So for any collectors out there, Team Meat released numerous pieces of merchandise related to Super Meat Boy. Some of these include Super Meat Boy Handheld, an iOS app released on April 3rd of 2010 and styled on a Tiger Electronics handheld. The app was released as a joke after Rafenis game Zits and Giggles was removed from the iTunes store following a statement by Rafenis that likened the iPhone to a Tiger handheld. Macmillan has released a Super Meat Boy micro game for WarriorWare DIY. Team Meat has sold charms, plush toys, and posters related to the game, as well as t-shirts, stickers, stress balls, and a limited edition Super Meat Boy comic. In 2011, Voxelis 
released a set of four Super Meat Boy figures of Meat Boy, Bandage Girl, Brownie, and Tofu Boy, later making figures of Commander Video, Jill, Ogmo, and Dr. Fetus. The last subject I want to discuss is the history and legacy of Super Meat Boy. Since its first release, seven plus years ago, it has since found its way onto every modern gaming platform, cementing itself as one of the most important platformers of this generation. The mention of Super Meat Boy will make any video gamer initiated with the game both quiver with remembrance of the rage and frustration and smile from the fond memories controlling a wad of meat. The controls of Super Meat Boy are about as close to perfection as they can be. The level of accuracy from the controls set a new standard for how tight controls for future platformers and games in general should be. Also, to give credit where it is due, Danny Baranowski composed an excellent soundtrack to accompany the rigorous gameplay, adding to the frenetic and fast-paced nature of each level. With video gaming music becoming more widely accepted amongst the general consumer, the music of Super Meat Boy furthered that acceptance. Some of the music was even included as playable content in Rock Band. Lastly, while not the first indie game to become popular, Super Meat Boy was able to further the popularity of indie games, making them a viable and important option for the average video gamer. Gamers can now experience unique gameplay outside of the AAA titles, and game creators and developers have more hope now than ever that their potential creative dream can be fulfilled by creating and releasing their game without the backing of a big-name studio. Super Meat Boy will finally get its long-awaited sequel, Super Meat Boy Forever, later in 2018. Now, I attempted to contact both Tommy Rufenis and Ed McMillan to no success. So there will not be an interview included in this episode, unfortunately, at this time. It is something I will continue to pursue in hopes that someday I can complete this episode with an interview from one of these two wonderful and brilliant minds. In the meantime, if you have never played this game, I highly, highly, highly urge you and implore you to play this game. Not only is it one of my all-time favorite games, but it is incredibly fun. It is one of the, like I said, one of the tightest games I've ever controlled. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at how much you enjoy this game. If you've already played it, you know the brilliant nature of this game. And I don't have to tell you twice. So I want to thank you all for tuning in to the third episode. Uh, this has been uh, actually one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show is talk about this game. So I'm glad that I was able to at least talk about the first half of it. Hopefully the interview follows suit at a later date. Take care.